Hey there, it's the Ohio Podcast, Chris and Craig Show, and we got some guests with us today. Um, Axios Columbus started this week, and you might recognize some of the names um, that are on Axios Columbus. They've been on the show various times. Uh, we got Tyler Buchanan, formerly of the Ohio Capital Journal, and Alyssa Whitman-Nice, formerly of the Columbus Dispatch. We talked to Alyssa before about the Columbus Zoo, so, and hey, they've started a new Axios Columbus. We're excited to catch up with these guys and figure out what's going on. Um, welcome, Tyler. Alyssa, how's it going today? Hey, thanks for having me. We're, we're just, we're keeping busy on our launch week. We're now on day three, so it's good to be with you. Yeah, tell me a little about Axios. Um, those of us in journalism, I think we're basically familiar with Axios. It's a little bit of a different model than like an online only, like Ohio Capital Journal or a print online hybrid like we see with the Columbus Dispatch and everything. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Axios is and what you guys are trying to do differently and why is it coming local to Columbus? Uh, a lot of people might be familiar with what Axios is doing on a national scale, but recently it's been going to more local markets. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the reaction that I've gotten over the past couple of months as I've told people both that I started at Axios and then more recently you know, that our newsletter is launching is a lot of people say like, yeah, Axios, I think I know that name or I, I recognize the logo or or something to that matter. And and they, they maybe know the coverage or maybe don't, but they've like sort of heard of it. And um, the it, it's funny, the, the thing that people probably know them most by if you're not like in DC circles is if you remember that meme from last summer where one of our Axios reporters, Jonathan Swan, was like looking at the paper interviewing Donald Trump. And it's funny because this week they actually won an Emmy for that, yeah. that interview. So it was kind of funny they were celebrating that today. But yeah, it's basically, it, it, you know, in a nutshell, this is founded in 2016 or 17 by the folks that founded Politico. If people follow or know the Politico coverage in DC. And, you know, the short end of it is they thought that the way that people consume news is changing with a, a rapidly you know, changing news environment and people have less time than ever, but more stuff than ever to follow. And they thought there needs to be, you know, maybe a better, quicker, faster, smarter way to, to present news to people. And so the, the, the main Axios style is something that they call smart brevity, which just, you know, we're trying to be quick, snappy, but not not substitute necessarily substance in, in in being so short. So that's sort of the the impetus behind it. And then maybe Alyssa can talk a little bit about, you know, how they're branching out into some of these communities. Yeah, what I think is, is really exciting is Columbus was one of several cities that was selected for an expansion of the Axios local effort. Um, so how that works is um, different cities across the country have uh, a pair of reporters. In Columbus's case, it's it's me and Tyler. And uh, we craft a daily newsletter every weekday. Uh, the news will be delivered right to your inbox. So that's um, you know, really the bread and butter of, of what we do. Uh, some of our content will be posted on a website, but if you want to see everything, you really uh, need to sign up for the newsletter to, to get that. And um, the thinking is that 
uh, by having these reporters on the ground, they really are experts in their communities. So rather than Axios taking some of the people it has in, in DC and kind of you know dispatching them across the country, they're hiring from within the existing media market. So um, definitely continue to look for this in other communities. Um, things have been gradually rolling out this fall, but there's already plans for further expansion coming next year as well. Um. Let me ask an awkward question. Any plans in Ohio? Is that stuff that's being decided? I, I'm sure it hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, but it, I'm sure are they looking other places like that? That's already the thing I've heard from a couple people is like they're in Cleveland or they're in Cincinnati. Both, I will say, as reporters and as news consumers, they've asked me of like, hey, when is when's Axios Cleveland gonna happen? And I don't know. I mean, if you okay. you read if you read some of the interviews and you hear some of the things our founders are saying, the numbers kind of like change based on the day, but, you know, they, they generally have plans. So, so they started in five or six markets. We are the second cohort, as Alyssa said, the expansion. So this will bring us the program to about 15 or so. So there's like eight or so new ones. And they want to have like a dozen or so new ones next year. And then, I mean, they're talking about having hundreds of these within five years. I mean, cool. Who knows, cross your fingers, but it would not surprise me in a handful of years if this kept growing at the pace it was to have Axios Cleveland, Axios Cincinnati, Axios tip, uh, Toledo. It wouldn't surprise me. What drew them to Columbus? I mean, we, we like Columbus, so we would promote them coming to Columbus, but what did they like about Columbus? The man picked Columbus first over uh, Cleveland or Cincinnati or anything like that. I think, it, so if you look at the cities that they're in, so far, you know, they started in Charlotte and the other initial cities that were in that first cohort, um, Tampa Bay area, Denver, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. These are, you know, sort of large metro areas that have a lot going on um, and are growing, first of all, and, and just a growing, vibrant city. And I think Columbus really sort of hits some of those dots, I would I would say. Cool. Is, is it like a one size fits all, Tyler, where you're going to have two reporters in every city or are they going to gauge, you know, population density or how does that kind of work with as far as how many reporters go per city? Um, so there is certainly the possibility of expansion. Um, if if you look at, uh, you know, some of the coverage of, of what's been going on, um, the the leaders and founders have, have talked a lot about um, not essentially not biting off more than you can chew. Um, there's an interesting um, story out today kind of highlighting that a bit. And, and I think where some local news efforts maybe weren't as successful in the past is because you send this like giant team into a place before you're really established with advertisers and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think the cities that were selected um, were really based on like a combination of, um, you know, the potential for advertising, as, as Tyler said, you know, potential for growth. And then um, it sounds like also a lot of other Axios newsletter subscribers are also living in these areas. So there might be some familiarity with the product already. Sure. Well, I'm sure it helps depend on 
subscription numbers. Like if you have 10 subscriptions, you'll have two people. But if you have 10 million subscriptions, maybe you say, hey, we need a third reporter to help, you know, provide that coverage, yeah. right? I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that's the case. And, and, and it's part of two, you know, I don't, I don't think we def we necessarily have a mandate in terms of um, readership. I mean, at, at this point, I think most news enterprises will say we'll take whatever readers we can right. get, you know, of any of any you know demographic. But I think in general, you're looking at you know like a kind of like the professional crowd. Yeah. Um, and Columbus has that, you know in spades, you know, with, with all the jobs that we have, it seems like we're growing rapidly every single day. Um, you know, just in my own, you know, social circle, how many people I know that have moved to Columbus within the past couple of years and are looking for ways to connect better with their city, to learn more about their city and, and maybe in a, a unique distinct style, maybe in a, in a quick way each morning that, that, just kind of snappy and helps them, you know, be ready for the day. I, I think that's kind of where where we want to be. But but what, one thing I'll say, similar to you mentioned, I was with Ohio Capital Journal earlier. People that have listened to this podcast remember my previous experiences on here, chatting with all the political stuff, and still happy to do that. Um, okay, good. No, that's what I was. That's what I was covering. Um, you know, at the time with them and that. That was a similar thing of we launched in Columbus late 2019, digital only publication, looking for, you know, whatever readers we can get. But our goal at that time was not to come busting into the city and take over the media landscape. I mean, any, anybody that knows Columbus News, I mean, there's so many outlets out there and so much, so many of them high quality that, you know, we just, we wanted to at that time and, and still OCJ is, uh, you know, carve its own, its own path and serve readers in a different way. And I think, I think that's Axios's goal too. I don't think we're here to replace anything or to take away from anything. I think we, we, we want to add to what is here. I think it, that's cool. And to make sure people know who we're talking to, it's uh, Todd Buchanan and Alyssa Women niche from new Axios Columbus, which is kind of, uh, different to say. We're, we're excited. Craig and our subscribers are ready. Um, I like the concept of the newsletters. It's not like you're your own entity. I mean, you're covering your own coverage, but you do provide links. Um, I was joking with them before. I've been covering Matt and Modio from Jeopardy, pushing them, linking to my article and everything. And um, But what do you guys do, since obviously you want to provide your distinctive coverage, What's the thought going into it? Because obviously Columbus is a big city. I'm sure you guys aren't working 100 hours a week, so you can't cover everything in the city. What has been the thought process on, okay, what are we writing about and what are we leaving to somebody else to write about? Because obviously you can't cover every breaking story that's happening here in Columbus today. How do you guys make those selections and how might that change in the future with what you guys are doing? You know, I think in terms of the decision making, um, you know, obviously we're on day three, so we're still mm -hmm. feeling this out a little bit. But um, the gauge of whether something is is newsletter worthy is is kind of like you know, if you were hanging out with your friends safely at a bar, right. <laughs> or right. if you were at the water cooler at work when you're actually in the office, 
would this be something where you'd be talking with your friends about it? Like, does it rise to the level of maybe if you aren't like a intense news consumer, like, like the four of us probably are, um, would you still find it interesting and important? So um, that's kind of the test we use, but when it comes to deciding, you know, original reporting versus, um, you know, more of like an aggregation type thing. Um, it really is a balance. Um, you know, obviously we're going to provide credit where credit's due um, and try and be as smart and efficient about that as possible. Um, you know, if if my previous employer, the Columbus Dispatch, has, has a big scoop on something, we're not going to go try and, and chase that same scoop down necessarily. You know, we can link to them and, and show what happened. But if, if we get our own tips and we want to continue investigating that, we can um, do that as well and then write uh, about that on our own way. Um, most daily newsletters will include what we're calling uh, nutshells, which mm -hmm. is a roundup of local news and uh, a Buckeye pun, obviously. And we will be um, you know, providing links to some other outlets out there. So I think, um, you know, as Tyler said, we see ourselves as sort of part of this news ecosystem. And uh, we really just want to give people a way uh, every morning to be as informed as possible in the smartest, most succinct way. And I, I got to ask both of you, because Alicia, you come from where I work, you know, the Columbus Dispatch, obviously a very, I hate to say traditional, because we're obviously delving deep into the digital aspect, too. But it, it's more of, obviously, traditional journalism compared to Axios or even Ohio Capital Journal. What drew you guys to something new like Axios? Because for Tyler, even though Ohio Capital Journal is kind of a new thing, uh, you were with the Athens News down there as the editor for a long time, too. Um, was it scary? And what drew you to a kind of a new startup concept? Although Axios is a definitely a well-respected name, Axios Columbus is something different. What, what caused you to make that jump from maybe a traditional to something new like Axios? Yeah, I think all, all fair, fair points you're making. And, and yeah, that, that was sort of the thing, right? Where on the one hand, you know, jumping to any new enterprise and launching in a city, um, it, it, it can be a little, uh, you know, anxiety inducing. And I, I know that firsthand from doing that with OCJ, you know, we, we were new, totally new. I mean, we were part of a right. national nonprofit chain, but, but certainly not like the, the chain itself of nonprofits is not a, is not a name anybody's heard of. It's the local markets. And so, you know, I thought, man, if I can do the OCJ launch, I think I'm ready for anything. And that, and as you mentioned, that was the interesting part is that that Axios Columbus may be new, but Axios as a brand is something that that carries with it some weight. So I think that's that's of a benefit to Alyssa and I just as we're out and about reporting is is to have that in terms of, you know, what made me want to jump over. You know, I, I think it was a unique opportunity to be with a company that is just right now is basically exploding. I mean, they, I don't have the exact numbers. Maybe Alyssa can, can remember better than me, but I think the number of reporters that they have as of today versus what they had this date last year, I mean, is it doubled or tripled or something? I mean, they, their total employees, their 
they're expanding all over the map. Um, and they have the money to do it. They have the know-how, they have the skill, they have the insight. Um, and so, you know, there's not too often that an opportunity like that comes along, especially, you know, especially that it's local, you know, that it's here in Columbus, that it's not the, like, you have to move up to some bigger, better city yeah. on the coast or whatever, that it's in our own backyard. And they're saying, Hey, you know, we have this opportunity. It's, you know, it's in your living room. It's hard to, to not want to look at that and, and check it out. So. Well, I got to say, I was eagerly following Tyler's social media <laughs> because, you know, Tyler couldn't announce it right away. It made sense. You know, he left Ohio Capitol, took a couple weeks off, and the rumors were running rampant. I mean, everybody was pegging you to as the no, top reporter no. for the Ohio Star. I, I was trying to figure out if that was going to happen. Like, we might, we, I, might have to, I might have to buttonhole you after this podcast. <laughs> Well, it was just a rumor, you know, all, all kinds of crazy rumors happen. And sadly for Ohio Star, you know, Todd's now off axis. It's great. That, was, that so. was probably the worst rumor of all time, I would imagine. Of course, Ohio right. Star, you know, but, I, I would be stunned if that happened. But, but Tyler is probably the best follow on on Twitter in, in the state of right. Ohio, um, even more than <laughs> wow. uh, our, our, that's I'm you, I okay. am telling you. I agree. It was, it was, it was yeah, no, that's cool. Tyler's tweets were appointment viewing every day as the governor was coming on. Oh, yeah. Here you say were. Well, like you're past tense. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, Craig. I mean, first I, I of all. Yeah. No discredit. You're still great. Uh, always follow Tyler. He's fantastic. Follow. Wealth of knowledge. Fun. You know, you, it's, it's a great follow. But you were so great during those. You were so informative during those COVID press conferences that uh, it was appointment viewing for me to look at what you're tweeting, even while I'm watching the, you know, the governor, just in case there's a local story that could come from Fremont or whatever. Um, yeah. So, but you still are appointment viewing Tyler. It sure, was, it sure was a lot of like, like, yeah, he makes sense on that one or huh. perhaps more often. Nope. That doesn't make sense. Right. That's, that's a lie. So <laughs> anyway, I, I'm still taken aback, but he keeps using the word were, but you know, it, it's yeah. not, you still are because we don't have daily not. press conferences. So right. in that of course. sense, I probably should use the past tense because we no, don't have daily press no, I, I, I'm with you. And, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm not bummed to not have to cover that right. every right. single afternoon. And I wasn't even the main, I've never even been a main uh, COVID reporter. You know, but when you're covering, you know, politics, right? Everybody, right. And, and I mean, Alyssa probably had this experience. Too. Everybody becomes a COVID reporter. Oh, yeah. you aggressive them doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my beat was education, but really I was a, a COVID reporter for the last, yeah. you know, year and a half. It, it does really consume your life after a while. Well, how much does that carry over? Because obviously, Ty, you, you can't be right about politics all the time. Uh, Alyssa, you were doing some great coverage of uh, the zoo and education and everything. Are you going to try to continue doing that a little bit? Obviously, it's not 100% of what you are doing with Axios, but are you going to continue some of that coverage, you think? or? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, um, the coverage in Axios is, is much less um, granular, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, we we aren't going to be covering every um, tiny development in things, which I think sometimes, you know, as you're we talking about that more traditional journalism background, you kind of get caught into feeling like you have to be everywhere at all the time. Um, when really, 
and, and getting back to kind of what attracted me to this position is it, um, it really forces you to think about what readers want. Yeah. And I think so often in journalism, a lot of people's egos get in the way and we write about what we think might make us look good or what we might think readers want or what might win an award or something. And, and, and yeah, it, it feels great to, to have the sort of recognition for like, you know, a big story or a big scoop, but, but you really do have to think um, what news is most important for people to know today and what is like the best way to get it to them. So this, um, this job was definitely interesting um, from that perspective. I think it, it'll, it'll challenge me a lot to think about things differently. Um, even the coverage of education in the zoo. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that I want to continue, but um, you know, I'll, I'll have to think about it in a different way. That's for sure. Well, I like examples of what you're going to talk about the bar. And I think about my wife, my wife's not a humongous local news consumer. So I always think about if she says, Hey, what'd you do at work today? You know, certain stories that I might think are more important to me, I would share definitely with her because she's not a big local news person. So yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. It's a good point. So yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this, you know, Alyssa and I both come from newspaper backgrounds Yeah, and you know, when you, when you think about, you know, just, just looking at the dispatch, how many pages that is um, on a, on a given day, especially, you know, the weekend editions. And that's a compliment by the yeah. way, as, as someone that came from a much smaller paper and you get the, you get that criticism of like, you know, it, there's barely anything in it. And you're like, there's right. 10 pages of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, you have a, you have a big paper with a ton of sections, right? And I'm a, I'm a dispatch subscriber. I, I read the sports, you know, pretty religiously and I read the Metro section and stuff, but I know there's a, there's a Sunday section that's about like home and gardening. I live in an apartment. That one's not for me, but I know there's definitely people that read right. that. And don't necessarily read, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets coverage. And that right. was something I had to learn early in my career newspapers was to appreciate, you know, I had readers that bought my newspaper every day and only did the puzzles. I had people that bought it every day and only read the classifieds. And my opinion at first was like, you know, you get that ego when you're young right. and you want everybody to read everything you're writing. And I had to learn to appreciate, you know, no, they're different strokes different folks and people uh you know are going to read different things and that's okay and that's that's a healthy news environment what's unique about axios is it's a it's different in that we have one newsletter every day it's three or four minutes to read and it is ideally a general audience where the five cards that we have the items that we have are going to be of general interest to hopefully most people reading on most days for most items. And I think that's, that's where that gets into, is it interesting? Is this right. going to be interesting for, for everybody versus maybe a more traditional thing can, you know, you can write a story that some are going to read some not, and that's okay. Um, so that's, that's been the challenge, I think. Yeah. And so far the well, reaction like gotten has been, um, so far, the reaction we've gotten has been really positive, um, what we've heard from folks, mm -hmm. um, which has been like a really um, yeah. pleasant surprise to see so many people who are getting it right away. Um, 
I, I had a few people tweet at me about an item I wrote about a, um, a naming survey that the Westerville School District is doing. Um, they want names for some school buildings and um, a la Bodie McBoatface, there were a lot of kind of mm -hmm. ridiculous suggestions. So I summarized those, but also explained like, you know, what the serious suggestions were. And people really, really liked that on Twitter. And um, yeah. a few reporters were commenting about how like, yeah, everything doesn't need to be a 25 inch story. And yeah. um, I think sometimes we fall into that trap. So that was my first foray into a uh, new type of schools reporting, but it, uh, it went over pretty well. Well, and not to pat my department on the back, but I like how, like I work on the digital side of some of our Gannett, Ohio papers. And I like how things have changed since we set up this department where, yeah, we don't always write the short stories like Alyssa's talking about with Axios, but we've gotten better at that. And I, I think my vision for this is hopefully you guys can challenge us to continue to write shorter, more meaningful stories where I, I think we still have reporters that want to write 60 inches about everything. And it, it's going to be neat to see how having access there hopefully will provide better coverage all around, you know, saying, Hey, it's a new way of doing it. It's something that's easier for people, especially if they're bringing on their phones. So yeah, no, I'm excited about that. It should be good. Yeah. I, I think ultimately it, it, it comes down to balance. I, I mean, yeah. and it depends on the medium. I mean, what, what we're doing, we're not likely to be writing very long stories on basically anything, but for something like, you know, a paper of record, not everything has to be long, but it might be appropriate to have a long feature story on a Sunday on a, right. on a issue. That that makes total sense. It's just it's it gets back to to what Alyssa was saying about like sometimes, and I I know that when I was at papers in Southeast Ohio, you know, I can think back to moments like this. You feel pressured to do things a certain way and to write certain stories because we've always done it that way. You know, we hear that phrase. How often do we hear that? It's always been done that way. And sometimes that's for a reason. And other times, if you actually sat and thought about it, you know, in any business, media, journalism, or otherwise. Um, and I think, I think so often journalists and maybe particularly journalism leaders were slow in our industry to actually sit and do that self introspective of like, wait, why do we do it that way? And does oh, yeah, it still, yeah. is it still appropriate to do something that way? And I think that's really the Axios kind of mantra is like right. really being conscious of the choices that we're making in, in 2021 when, again, I, I'm speaking for myself, but the amount of newspapers, magazines, newsletters, emails, sub stacks, podcasts, you name it. I mean, I subscribe to too many things, much less books. Yeah and TV shows and trying to watch Matt Amodio and Jeopardy every day. It, I'm running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My limit. And I'm a news junkie. And so it's like, if somebody like me who's obsessed with news is getting to the point where I can't consume all this, someone who's got three kids or whatever their scenario that they're busy in their lives, they definitely aren't. So how can we meet them where they are? I think that's, Kind of our goal. And the best thing, free emails, 
so you can sign up for that. We'll provide all the links on the podcast. So wherever you've seen this podcast on, uh, you can click there too. I want to talk about some of the stuff you guys talk about in newsletters, but Craig's waving his hands in. Craig, do you have another question? <laughs> well, just real quick before we get to that, you know, you, you know, you said both of you come from the background of newspapers. You've both written terrific stories, very long-form journalism. Is it is it difficult? Is it refreshing to go from I've got to have three or four sources and a 30-inch story to now I can really get to the nuts and bolts of things and not and maybe do that in a third of the time or a fourth of the time. Is it is it hard for you to transition that way? Knowing, I mean, reading both of your stuff last year, Tyler, always in depth of the Ohio Capital Journal and Alyssa, you did great coverage of the zoo, and you're always in depth storytelling and it's it's worth the the length of it. But now you're shortening that up getting the more important things and not having to do, like you said, Tyler, sort of that traditional, this is what news is. This is what we have to do because we've always done it that way. Is it scary? Is it refreshing to, to kind of transition from that long winded journalism to maybe that short story method? I want to, I want to let Alyssa answer this, but I will just say off the top, the shorter thing, much harder than you think. Okay. <laughs> I, I, mind. I was expecting that. Yeah. I, was, I was like, Oh man. 300, yeah. 300 words. I, I mean, like in our former jobs, 300 words, I can be with my eyes closed, my hands time by my bed, but harder than you think. Yeah, yeah that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Um, so I think a common misconception, especially among people who are writers, is that it will be easier. Uh, it, I agree. It is incredibly difficult because you have to be very intentional with every single word and make sure you're picking the best ones while still communicating the entire message to everyone. Um, thank God we have a very great editor who is helping us along in this transition because it, it certainly is a switch. But I think in the end, um, it is it's going to make me a stronger writer and uh, I think it's going to help communicate things very clearly to people. Um, and, and what I like is um, I think the newsletter format will lend itself to if something does rise to the level of needing more space, um, we could do like a newsletter takeover of, you know, maybe taking up several sections about something or, you know, instead of cramming everything into one giant story, um, break up some related topics into a couple different cards. So um, I think, again, it, it's just different and uh, it certainly is a, a transition personally. Uh, another thing that's been a bit of a challenge for me so far is, um, we're allowed to have a bit more of a personality in the newsletter. They, they want it to be fun and um, want us to express ourselves in a way that's still objective, but enjoyable for people. And they see us as, you know, people who live, work and, and play in Columbus as well. So uh, I'm, I'm working on that as well. Cause it's a, a shift in mindset from traditional news. So uh, hopefully things get a little easier from here on out, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Very good. Well, we've got about 15 minutes or so left. So let's talk about some of the topics you guys have written about so far. Alyssa, what's, I know this is day three. I, obviously you're just starting to write, 
what's kind of met the most to you? Bring up a topic that we can talk about for a few minutes. What's been your favorite thing so far in, in day one, two, and three? Well, I think the first day, just partially just because it was the first, is, is probably, um, you know, my my favorite experience so far. Um, just seeing the reaction from people getting that first newsletter was, like, really surreal. We had a ton of emails, ton of um Twitter messages from people. And I think the top story on that, which was delving into um, COVID numbers among uh, children in Ohio, was really interesting to take a story like that. Obviously, as I mentioned, like I've um, you've been writing a lot about COVID among school aged kids and the impact on, on school. Um, so being able to take that story and kind of do it in an Axios format and think as we were working on this together, like, okay, this, I would have done it this way. Now I have to think about it this way. And like seeing that I could actually do it was really rewarding. And rather than just saying like, Hey, the state is going to do this vax to school scholarship for folks who uh, get vaccinated, kind of explaining the why behind it was um, really cool as well. Being able to um, kind of explain that to people, uh, I think shows some of the ways we're going to be trying to maybe not be covering like every breaking news development, but doing more of like a takeaway explainer type perspective on things. What do you think? And Craig and I were talking about this last week. It was kind of I kind of felt that DeWine was a little bit frustrated during the last press conference because of the state legislators saying, hey, we're going to you know, block any mandate you send to us. So DeWine's almost sitting there going, all right, the only thing I've left to say is get vaccinated. And, you know, it's frustrating, but Ohio's numbers are still kind of small in that with 50%. Do you think it might change? I mean, I know there's some serious talk that a 5 to 11-year-old uh, vaccine could be approved before long. Do you, do you think th what do you think it's going to cause for stuff to change in Ohio? Because it sounds like the way the politics are going, DeWine's hands are wrapped up, and he's frustrated, but he doesn't feel like there's anything he can do. You, you think there's a change on the way, especially when we're seeing more kids getting sick? I I think it would have to be a sea change. I mean, honestly, I just, the, the momentum of the anti-vaccine crowd in the legislature or otherwise um, has kind of surprised me. It, they've had the the legs on this movement have been, uh, you know, it's gone on longer and it's stayed rather fervent and they've kept the pressure up and they're very well organized. I think Chris, you know, you know, I've talked about this for what feels like a year now. Um, they keep the heat on. Um, it, it, you know, I don't want to say you have to hand it to them, but as a political movement, they they certainly know how to keep the pressure up. So yeah, I mean, clearly DeWine's feeling the heat and you know, it, it's sort of eye of the beholder on how cynical you wanna be of, does DeWine think that this is the actually best policy move he can make? Which is if my goal is to get people vaccinated, me mandating things and getting my hand slapped by the legislature and having to deal with all that controversy, is that a net negative versus just every single time keep pushing out the same five doctors who are saying the same five right things who 
nobody's listening that wasn't already listening and, and all that stuff. If that's the scenario, or is it he's running for re-election next year and he doesn't want, you know, the conservative crowd, their anti-vax to, to, to vote for Jim Renacci? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's, that's, that's. If I had to guess, it's probably, it probably the second because or he's in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. It could be both. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the thing is, you know, he, you know, now that we look back, it's been a year and a half. Those first six weeks of Mike DeWine is such a different Mike DeWine than the one we have now yeah. in terms of approach. I mean, I, again, what's in his heart? I don't know that that's for me to say, but clearly the early part is he felt at the time my actions like the ends justify the means. People may disagree with the tactics of mandates, mask mandates, shutting down schools, shutting down the Arnold, taking all this heavy-handed government action. So be it. The health of the public is the ends justify the means. That is out the window now. He clearly does not believe that the ends justify the means now. Or he, I mean, because he he's even said, I think schools should mandate masks, but I'm not going to make them mandate masks. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. It tells you it tells you he knows what the policy fix is, but he doesn't feel for whatever reason, cynically or otherwise, he doesn't feel like the, like it's his role to make that policy happen. So, well, you guys probably haven't change. heard, but Craig and I are gearing up. Uh, we had Dan Tierney on a couple weeks ago. We pretty much said, Dan, push the sist out with the so, wine. I mean, and it's it's hard when you're the PR guy because you know right. it, it ain't you that's the choice. <laughs> that's makes the choice. Well. I made the mistake of just saying a funny hype thing about him and his wife, and you thought I cursed out everybody. Hey, us, I mean, it was awkward. You know, us, us short people, you know, we right. get very touchy about this. And I'll I'll say too, what since we're on the you know jokes related to the governor, there was a uh, there was a tweet that the Ohio Republicans sent out <laughs> criticizing or, or I don't know criticizing is the word because it's so okay. kind of random. It was comparing. Nan Whaley, who is the Democratic candidate for governor mm -hmm. versus DeWine, and how she likes ice cream, and so does Joe Biden likes ice cream. Like, <laughs> That's they, weird. They were doing these comparisons, like both of them are so-and-so on tax policy, whatever. Right. And it was like, and then both of them like ice cream. But it like didn't come across as a joke. And I'm like, okay, first of all, that's weird. And the second thing is, is if you know Mike DeWine, he hosts yeah. an ice cream social at yeah. his house. What's Every year. it's the premier yeah. political event of the season. He right. announced his run for governor at the ice cream social. So it was, it was a funny. I mean, like, Dewine loves ice cream. It's such yes, a funny you, thing. Apologies. Yeah, that's you follow. That's why you follow Tyler on Twitter because you would have seen yeah. his post. Yeah, of that, you would know how ridiculous things get on Twitter. Yeah, it, so, it got nuts. He's still a great follow. Not was he's still a great follow. Well, right, appreciate right. that. And you would never work for the highest star. I'm just trying to defend myself so I don't get yelled at for a gun. Um, so, listen, do you think kids are – th and obviously kids are going to decide on their own. Do you think parents will be okay with having their kids get the vaccine once this gets approved? Well, I think that's, that's the big issue um, is the kids – don't have a choice. It's it's right. up to the parents, and um, you know, as we've discussed, there's a very large movement of um, 
folks who are against the vaccine. So when I um, talked with the, um, the chief medical officer from Nationwide Children's Hospital, I, I asked him about the vaccine numbers among children who are eligible right now. Um, and he said he, you know, he wasn't surprised at all by where things stand because of the parent hesitation. Um, he said it's very rarely a situation where a parent believes in the vaccine, not believe in, it's not magic, it's science, but a parent doesn't want to get their child vaccinated, um, but wants to get themselves vaccinated or vice versa. Their decision yeah. on their child's vaccine is very much based on what their personal beliefs are, which would lead the statistics to be the way they are with, with a, a small number of, of kids vaccinated right now. Um, granted, when the other age group of children does become eligible, um, we'll see a little uptake just given, you know, the parents that, that do want to, but, um, I, I don't know if it's really going to be enough to see a significant, um, you know, change in the way things are statewide right now. Yeah. The only thing that's holding us back, we got a nine-year-old and uh, she has autism. And we're just trying to make sure we're okay vaccine with the autism. And we're pro-vaccine. We're pro-vaccine. We've been vaccinated ourselves. We just want to make sure that's that. Because that was a concern even before the misinformation came out. Yeah. You know, just saying, hey, is that okay? But, you know, we're scared. I mean, we want to make sure she's okay. And that, you know, that's what and, and is really driving us. The, the bottom line of the kids' situation is, you know, they want to keep these kids in school. Right. And how many stories did we see? You know, it was like instantaneous. It was like August 26th, schools are back in session. August 27th, you know, this school is out quarantine. That school, they're staying home because of bus drivers sick. How many football games, Friday night football games, have we seen that have been postponed? Who was at Whitehall had their homecoming the entire yeah. proceeding? I mean, that's it's it's terrible. So so when it comes, you know, and that's just basically mask policy and then spreading in schools to the extent that any of this vaccine um, availability would impact the, you know, spread of COVID in schools that would keep kids in schools versus not. I think parents are going to come to that realization, or at least a lot of them are, if, if they don't have the high school kids that have already been through this. Um, I think they want their kids in school. Yeah, it's wild. It's like a don't ask, don't tell. I mean, I've got a, a pastor friend in a different state, not in Ohio, but, you know, they still met, but they're like, hey, if you have COVID, stay home. You know, if you feel sick, stay home. Uh, he had a worship band played behind him that one guy just didn't tell anybody that he had COVID. He knew it. And it wasn't like a, I want to get everyone sick. He just said, you yeah, who cares? And half the church gets sick and it's I, amazing I, how yeah, a year and a half in how oh, yeah. still happen it it almost it, it almost feels like we're reverting yeah that that's a negative uh i think i can solve this right now what if in the vaccine we put livestock dewormer and then just say it's the ivermectin shot 
There you I, go. Think we, I think we can solve this uh, lack of vaccination rates with the ivermectin shot that just so happens to be, you know, the yeah, actual vaccine, we, but we say it's the ivermectin shot. And we don't want to use up all of the horse supplies. That's true. With, That's with true. a whole month of quarter horse Congress. Yeah. In front of us, yeah, in- you guys read about that too. Yeah. Really didn't read the newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's just way too much, uh, way too much work stuff going on. No, I, I love reading about that. I, I thought, and that's the nice thing to see about the Axios Columbus newsletters. Obviously, you're writing about you know serious issues that we're facing. I'm obviously COVID, something that's happening. I love reading about the quarter horse event coming up. And also, too, I, I want to close on this, Tyler. I liked how you were taking pictures around Columbus. You had a picture of Edison sitting on a, a bench, and you're like, hey, where's this from? Stay, stay tuned on that one tomorrow. I don't want to give anything away while right, I, right. I'm broadcasting, but people can read it when they are. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things is there's so much of Columbus, even somebody that's a lifelong resident is going to see things that they haven't yeah. seen before or hear of things that maybe they don't know about. And and those are the lifelongers. I mean, how many people are relatively new to Columbus that have only been here in the last five years, 10 years, two years, or whatever? I know I'm one of them. And so I'm learning about this city. And it is, you know, that's one of the beauties of being a journalist is, you know, and, and with Axios being so, so personality-driven um, in these newsletters uh, is, you know, hey, here's what I learned. Let me tell you about it. I love that's what that's what drew me to reporting is is like I'm just such a curious person and I go out and look at things and take photos of things and take notes about things and I just I can't help but but talk about it write about it so well we're still in the midst of COVID so my weekly plug wear a mask get vaccinated but you know over the past year and a half no matter how you've treated COVID we haven't been out as much as we've been. I mean, we've been home more than we've had been in the past. So, you, you know, hey, read the Access newsletter and you'll get some ideas of what to do around Columbus. You may, That's, even if you uh, lived your whole life, you've been you've been home for a year and a half. So, check out some of this stuff. And that's my idea of a fun time as a as a antisocial uh, kind of a dork is you sure. can stay safe by just go walk around. Yeah, go drive somewhere and walk around. Um, it's safe. It's distanced. And you see things that you didn't know before. Yeah, I just, I mean, I've been working from home just since the nature of my job, but I, I saw my wife like two months ago. We drove around downtown, and I'm like, I have not been downtown in like six months, which is insane because I live here. I work down here. It's just been kind of crazy. So, oh, Alyssa, anything else you want to say about Axios? Hmm. <laughs> well, I want everyone to subscribe to right. the newsletter at axios.com slash sign up slash Columbus and uh, read what we have going on. And then um, we definitely want to hear from people. So please reach out to us online, um, whether you're emailing us um, at Columbus at axios.com, reach out to us on Twitter. Um, We really want this to be sort of like a, a conversation among folks in the community. So um, whether it's feedback, a story idea, or um, lately I have been asking people to send me photos of their cats. Yeah, um, so <laughs> no question is stupid and no comment is um, you know, too small. So please send them our way. I may send you my cat 
today <laughs> because yeah. I, I I was on work calls all morning and then I, I got a personal call about another thing that was important but wasn't work related. My cat's climbing all over my shelf behind me, knocks <laughs> off my light. I see a light flash right behind my head and thankfully it didn't cause a fire. I mean, I like cats. I'm not against cats, Alyssa, but man, if, if we had this conversation five hours ago, I'd be like, all right, Alyssa, here, take my cat, please. <laughs> oh, I don't have two of my own who are adjusting to me being permanently working at home and yes. um, they can be a handful, so I get it. Oh, um, yeah, awesome. unlike uh, Tyler's very insightful political Twitter posts. All I can generally offer folks on Twitter are cat pictures and different baby animal photos from the Columbus Zoo. So uh, different type of content, but still fun. Equally well, as important. And as a fellow journalist in Columbus, since you guys are sharing links, I got to send you my links every day. Uh, you'll be like, hey, that was a one-time deal. Don't do it every day. But you'll, you know me. You both on Twitter. What was that? Where can we find both of you on Twitter so people can... Uh, Get out there and start the conversation or send cat pics. <laughs> um, I am at Alyssa Widman, which is A-L-I-S-S-A-W-I-D-M-A-N. And Tyler, remind us, we've asked this question a million times, but remind us again if if we're not following you yet, which we are, but we want more people following you. Uh, it's at Tyler, just how it sounds, and then Joel, that's J-O-E-L-B is in boy. Tyler Joel Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Um, what's coming? Um, we'll probably release this tomorrow morning, so the, the newsletter will be out. But do you have something planned Friday you can promote in the newsletter? Uh, hopefully, I might ask you too far ahead. I think Alyssa might be having a preview on the zombie thing. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I got to go out to um, Zumbizi Bay a couple weeks All ago. Right which is now Zombiezy Bay. And oh, okay. uh, every weekend the zoo is going to be doing um, some haunted houses and, and different scare zones over on the Zumbiezy Bay property. And um, it was really cool. So I, I snapped some pictures, um, kind of previewed some of the, the weird foods you can eat, like an uh, a cream puff with an eyeball on it or a donut that you oh, okay. filling like with a plastic syringe. So it's kind of some weird Halloween theme stuff. Uh, lots of great pumpkin beer on tap. If you're not into getting scared, it sounds like you can still have a pretty fun time there. So um, yeah, I'm going to have a little re recap of that experience in there. Okay. So always great stuff. Um, newsletter comes out Monday to Friday and what is there a website like because I know you guys write your own individual stories? Is it axios.com backslash yeah. plus or so so they're they're actually rolling out new oh, sites okay. for all of us for all of us new uh launch ones actually comes out next Monday. So okay. I, I don't I I have a guess of what it'll be, but it, for now, until like that set, if you just Google Axios Columbus, you'll find it. And subscribe to the newsletter. I'm sure they'll tell you as soon as it gets have released. We mentioned, have we mentioned oh. it's free? It's free. Yes, it's free. So support free, local free. journalism. If, if it comes from, you know, donating to Ohio Capital Journal, or you could donate to Axios oh, yeah. or Red Dat, or if you subscribe via online, do all of that. You, you can do all of that I, once. Why I, not? I do all of that. And I, yes. <laughs> Be like Tyler. Radio and then, then PR. Yes. Yeah, I'm too much, too much news. 
But too much. Oh, we can't say that. Never too much news. <laughs> the more the merrier. It'll be great. All right. Well, Tyler, Alyssa, thanks so much. Hang out for a second afterwards. Um, Craig, thanks for hanging out with us. Sorry, I'm, I didn't have a choice. So I'm, uh, yes, <laughs> I'm only here so I don't get fined. Oh, hey, hey, that's hey, like nice. Yeah, <laughs> should be good. Yeah. Well. Uh, Stay tuned. Um, let, let me do a quick plug or two. Um, stay tuned next. Uh, Craig and I are doing another hour. Lots to talk about streaming TV. I, guys, I gave up my Hulu Live TV this week. A little frustrated. Really? I haven't had time I'm, to well, I'm a Hulu. I'm a Hulu Live uh, devout subscriber, so I would be interested to hear. Now, okay. If Tyler tweets about this right after he hangs up, you're going to be canceled. You might, you might oh, need man. to rethink this, Chris. Well, oh, man. I, I can record my, my Jeopardy episodes. I never miss them. Oh, yes. Chris, doesn't, Chris doesn't like Jeopardy, Tyler. Chris does not like Jeopardy. He oh, says whoever watches it is Probably, old, which yeah. is well, very offensive. Oh, jeez. Oh, See, I made the mistake of saying, because we were accused of talking way too much Jeopardy new host, because obviously – best PR they could ever have, the fact they can't design a host, because we're talking a lot more about Jeopardy than we've ever had, right. and probably our whole lifetimes. So I got frustrated once, because I've written about for the Dispatch a billion times, and now I'm our daily Matt Emodio reporter, because he's from Ohio State, and he's from Medina County, so our Akron papers are interested in it, too. And Alyssa, I just got mad one night, and I just said, if you're watching Real Fortune Jeopardy every night, you're probably five years away from the grave, which did not go over too well. My wife didn't like that. She said I'm too mean on these podcasts, but it's true. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, I'm probably not the best gauge of that because growing up, my favorite show was The Price is Right. Which oh, oh, yeah. We're, we're Price is right, the demographic yeah. of that show. <laughs> Well, so you can be you can be both. This isn't like a like right. a, a, a conservative liberal thing. I think you could be bipartisan on these shows. Of <laughs> yeah, no, I I think you can be. I I just get frustrated because you know when your parents get older, or your grandparents go older, they're like, oh, we're watching Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy every night. You start crying like, what's wrong? Don't die, you know everything. It's just tough. <laughs> it's tough. That's funny. Oh, and well, last Monday I was off, and my wife wanted to watch both of them. I'm like, honey, what's going on? You know, it, it's kind of like a bad sign. Uh, I got more life to lead, I, but no, it's good. They're both good shows. I just don't want to watch them. If you watch them on DVR, you're good. But if you're watching them live, if you're like, all right, seven o'clock, I gotta get in front of the TV and watch it. That's where you have the problem. But real quick, talent on Hulu Live TV, I like it. Just with having two kids now. I'm having a hard time watching a lot of live sports and a lot of live news. And honestly, with all the crap going on about COVID and everything, I, I just, I'm tired of watching CNN, uh, Fox News, and MSNBC. The, the more I hear parents tell me how they don't get to watch live sports anymore, and me being uh, someone who's hopefully having a kid within the next year or two or soon, hate to hear that, man. That makes well, me... you're never, never going to watch sports well, again, Tyler. And everybody's oh, I mean, different. So I'm not, I'm not saying do away if you're Hulu. I mean, because I'm to a point now where the only thing I need to watch is my Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they're horrible this year, so I don't want to watch them anymore. But I've got a place, and I shouldn't say this out loud because NFL will come after me, where I can watch the games on Facebook each week. So I'm reporting it. Anyway, yes. hey, always a pleasure. And, uh, All right. Well, hey, hang on for a second afterwards. Thanks for checking us out. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney 
Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.